did they do it? How did they do it? You're listening to the How Did They Do It podcast with Kostas Panayotou. Welcome to How Did They Do It, the uh, podcast where you can join me in conversations with inspirational individuals who found their freedom and purpose by doing what they love doing most. The extreme metal scene is a quite interesting place to be in. Well, as you know that because I've been part of it for, let's say, the last 20-25 years. And uh, during my time and my involvement with the scene, I've met quite a few interesting individuals. One of them was Deha. And Deha, a musician with who I have co- collaborated previously in uh, bands and projects, and I'm sure I will do again in the future, is based in Brussels. And uh, he's quite known as a um, musical centipede in the sense that he has, I don't, I'm not sure whether he actually knows himself how many musical projects he has. Uh, he's definitely known to uh, have been involved uh, in a lot of different projects and, and musical uh, entities. He will explain us later, you know, where that need is coming from to uh, create music and why it's so important for him. Uh, more importantly, and I think quite interestingly, he will explain also the purpose of his music and it's not what uh, you would think if you hear about the genres that he's involved with. Uh, do metal and DSBM, which actually stands for um, depressive suicidal black metal. <laughs> and if you're not a connoisseur of the genre, you would think that this is um, this is absolutely something absolutely horrible that um, puts really negative thoughts into people's minds. But um, as Deha will explain, he actually has a very different purpose with his music. And there's also an interesting dichotomy in his um, in his musical career, in the sense that he makes music for. Uh, you know, because he needs to, uh, but he also makes music for the living as a musical producer. So he um, owns a studio in Brussels uh, where he has a professional capacity, of course, where he helps other people to uh, create their ideal sound. And it will become apparent that this gap between personal and professional career is not as big as it seems. So good evening, Deha. How are you? I am very fine. Thank you. And how are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. I'm absolutely delighted to have you on the show and um, yeah, there's an hour difference as well, isn't it? So it's relatively late here, but it's even later where you are. Oh, it's fine. It's like it's 10, 10, 15 p.m. To me, it's to, it's quite, you know, the, the perfect time to actually start working onto something when, you know, everyone goes to bed and I've got the chance to be in this place right now so I can make noise until whenever, whenever. <laughs> it's really, really amazing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time for me, at least. Yeah, that was the wrong question to, to, to say to a musician, because musicians have uh, their day-night rhythms are a bit different than, <laughs> than most other people, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. But at the same time, it's part of, um, I would say it's part of the, the artistic way of thinking. You know, during the night, there's, I'm not going to say that people are annoying us. It's definitely not the case, but the fact of being the good kind of alone and lonely it's pretty much primordial to let the art go out, I would believe. So I think this is why we, we sometimes need, you know, a, some kind of a kick with someone, a friend or anyone, a conversation, so a fire starter, if you will. And then sometimes we just rather just be fully alone, dive into our own thoughts and then just create. And I think the night is proper for that. Yeah, absolutely. And um, well, I guess... A good question. I, mean, I know you a little bit, and a disclaimer here for people is that uh, Deha and I have worked in uh, musical bands together, or projects in the past. Um, but for the people who don't know you, who is Deha? Describe us. Who are you as a person? 
Uh, I'm 100% Belgian product. I'm uh, born and raised there. Uh, spent almost five years in Bulgaria at some point. I'm um, I'm a full committed musician. I am. I can say that right now I'm a professional producer in Black Cat Studios in Brussels. Um, I'm a musician, of course. I have. I am known. Let's put it this way: to have many bands, many projects, and way too much output. And it's pretty true. But at the same time, it's my way to express myself. So it's. Uh, I don't force people to listen to it. It's very selfish. And uh, at the same time, I got to keep that as a hobby, if you want, even though it's a very big part of my time and having my passion, which is music and sound as a, as a job. So I'm pretty much blessed. Let's just put it this way. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much who I am. I'm a very emotional person when it comes to art and when it comes to music. So everything that I would do, whether it be mine or my own productions or any kind of thing that would take part in, would be emotional. Because I truly think that this is the best. I am not opposed to not emotional music as, uh, you know, modern popular music and this kind of stuff. I don't care. I actually like to move my ass on a reggaeton song, for instance. But at the same time, I would definitely rather go deeper in, in very personal music with a meaning, with a message, which to me goes back to my youth, where music were way much more with an important message. Most of the time, a message of peace, a message of uh, um, getting better and knowing oneself and better deep down. Having something else which was just not materialistic stuff, of course, and once again, I don't want to be bad-mouthing the nowadays music either but there's a difference and i tend to go away much more with the emotional content than anything and i think this is uh this is a good summary of uh, of who i am and music wise despite being very much into the metal scene very varied metal extreme metal of course mostly black metal and doom metal I'm a very open-minded person, so I do as much as I can, whether it's electronic, post-rock, drone, hip-hop, anything that I can touch, that I can be better with, I would try and do my best to do something about it. And uh, and just releasing it for free or with a label or something, depending who is interested, and that's it. I think that's a pretty good sum up. <laughs> awesome. So you made a few interesting comments there that I would like to unpick a bit more. So you speak about the emotionality of music and how personal it is. And I think everyone listening to your music will understand exactly what you mean. Your music is very personal and very emotional. But are you actually saying, did I understand that you're saying that a lot of music of nowadays is, is not really emotional, it's not really especially accessible, perhaps music, pop music, that it's not about being emotional? What is it then if it's not about playing with a human emotion? I think that there is a difference. I mean, there are artists who are really still playing with emotions, and I'm going to name, uh, for instance, uh, Billie Eilish or um, Lana Del Rey, for instance. Uh, I am a big fan of the hip-hop scene, so sometimes I'm a bit annoyed with, you know, the fact that they're still and always talking about, you know, popping pills and this kind of things and such messages that I'm not really happy with, but that's my own opinion. I understand why they do it. It's also a question of uh, catharsis and my own catharsis can be annoying for other people too. So it's fine. It's just a question of uh, 
I would rather see them speaking about getting better through violence, for instance, instead of just diving into uh, selfless depression and these kind of things. Um, so I truly believe that this is the point where I would try to make, like to put a line, because nowadays music can just be about, you know, struggles, fun times, and you know, when I when I dwell back into the 80s, 70s, either everything was very emotional, either it was just about fun. Like, check, I don't know, like Cool and the Gang, for instance. It was very about fun, like in, in, in giving happy thoughts, the gospel kind of uh, moods, you know, which really brings me some kind of joy when I'm listening to it. Or, I don't know, Neil Morse from uh, Spock's Beard and, and, and other fantastic bands is a... Uh, like a born again Christian from I don't know fifteen years or something, and one of his albums called Lifeline brings me a huge smile on my face and it talks about Jesus and I don't think I'm a believer, and it's super fun and I I'm getting so much light through his words and I understand the light I don't understand Jesus if you want but I understand that light, and this to me is more important, and I'm saying this you know with cautious. This is more important than having a song which talks about clapping asses. I agree. <laughs> As you would expect. <laughs> Even if I would clap my ass on that song, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, I mean, there's a more serious message behind that. There's, because that music, music has a lot of different functions, doesn't it? So for you, it's about being emotional, but for someone else, it's... Perhaps they just want to shake their ass, as you say, or they just want to have fun, or, or sometimes to have it in the background while they're doing something else. There's literally as many functions, perhaps, as they're humans, isn't it, for, for music and how music is being used. Would you agree with that? I, I definitely agree. That's why every kind of music style is important and has a very perfect gem somewhere. Even if it is fun, even if it is, uh, you know, a, a satirical thing, a comedy music, and like any kind of thing would just make sense. I mean, when I listen, for instance, for uh, like a Break Your Neck of Buster Rhymes, I still don't understand the point of it, but it's so fucking awesome. And I just love the music and how it's made and, and the rhythm and all of that and the Buster Rhymes rhymes and how fantastic he is. Sometimes it's entertainment. I don't, I am not an entertainer at all. That's really almost the opposite of my own goal. But I appreciate that some people are doing that and then doing it in the right way. Even though I don't hold the truth, I can't say like this is the right way or not. But yeah. That's, that, that's very interesting to hear from you because I know you've played live gigs and you're still playing live gigs. So when you're playing live, you're not entertaining. What is the function of a live performance? Giving some giving something to the people, but most important thing, giving something to myself. It is very selfish. I I am on stage. I, I despise everything before. I despise everything after. Even if I have friends and everything is fine, I'm happy to see them. Of course, to a certain point, you understand my point. But um, being on stage is the most important thing. And if I go, depending, of course, with whom I'm on stage. Uh, if I'm with Cult of Erinys, which is my black metal band, I have my own words that I'm kind of screaming on stage, so it makes sense 
that I'm there screaming them and I want the people to understand. Even if I do not care if they get it or not, because this is very selfish. If I work with Wolvenists, for instance, that's a complete different message. It's a message of an entity and I serve the entity, but the entity is also a part of me. So I express myself through the band as well. I'm just not going to scream and whatever struggles and all of that. I'm going to speak about what we talk in Wolvenist and this kind of um, occult cult of the cult of the self, like black magic and this kind of stuff. That's pretty much what we're going to speak about and how we want to make them. There's a song called Incarnation, which is pretty much one of the most depressing song that the band ever wrote. And when I'm on stage, it's um, it's amazing because there's a connection with Shazula, the other singer. And that to me is priceless. Every single time we can play that song three days in a row. It doesn't matter. It's always going to be different. And I'm still going to feel something which is like the kick when you smoke a cigarette, which is just there. You're like, oh my God. And that, that, that is priceless. I don't want, I don't care about the audience, but I also want them to feel this as much as I can try to make them feel that. Because once again, I'm always about emotions and there's nothing more, even though it could be some kind of, uh, I'm not going to say entertainment, but some kind of uh, experience that when you have someone in front of you, eyes wide open, looking at you like that, screaming the same lyrics, and you look at that person in the eyes, while you, I am actually screaming these words, connection is there. And I, it's even in, in my head that it's going to be more important than maybe for this person in front of me, because I will be remembering that guy's face and how he looked at me and how he was singing and that if I could, and I know by just looking at him, singing a couple of words, these words are going to mean something even more for me and for him. That's important to me. Right, yes. So you mentioned there's a few keywords there, isn't it? Connection. So even though you do it for yourself, but connection is still important because you hope, that's what we all do, isn't it? That what you feel inside is somehow also felt by those that are attending. That's, that's I guess, the point of the gig. And then, and I guess, what's the other word I was thinking of? It's, it's, it's an experience, isn't it? It's like a memory that you create at that time, and then the memory is with you. And perhaps, does it change also retrospectively things, that memory? So once you perform something and then you see a face, then that particular song becomes something different, or is it still exactly the same thing? Everything changes, because that's why I don't play live about my, my own very personal music, because... I don't want to repeat the same emotion. I don't think it's it's something that I can do uh, many times because I'm not going to sing about that kind of depression. I'm just going to live it one time. I don't want to live it again. So with Wolverness, it's completely different. It's not my story. And I can understand that. And I'm, I want to heal uh, the person, not me. I'm fine with that. And I know that I can do something about it. I, I, I am someone that just hopes that everyone will just be okay with with their lives and stuff. And if I could help, I would just do my best. But there is a thing that I've learned that the past several years, uh, my music heals people. And it, I'm blessed that this is really the case. But 
in the beginning I wasn't really wanting to understand that because I'm like I don't want the person to understand the same thing it's mine it's personal you can't understand my pain and then I, I, I understood that it will never be the same pain it's gonna be something different and the way that it is different that person is going to emphasize on a couple of other things and it's still going to heal the person maybe not the same way the music would heal me but it will heal the person isn't that you know the important point and I think it is so that is kind of the connection that I'm looking for and life I think that there's a you know this fear of missing out when you're live and you're like if I don't know that the gig has a problem and the band gets a bit mad and it makes their performance even better because they have such you know anger that they want to let out and it works and it makes the gig completely unique I think that this is what I always want to do having unique nights every time trying to give them something and give myself something so I can so I can be more complete firstly and if through that I can maybe you know help some people I, th I think this I'm happy with that you know it's uh it's pretty much of a weird thing to say but I want the, I want them to remember the night I really want them to remember how it was how they feel you know there, there was a time when we were just going to a gig and we would just be completely shocked that the gig would be just a life changer happened to me and I hope it will happen to me again and again and again and I hope that it happens to a lot of people and of course with all proportion guarded I do not want this to be you know I, I'm not putting myself on the same shelf of these kind of bands but sometimes I just hope it would be the case in in terms of uh, an artistic bucket list I think this is amazing <laughs> And it's also something, I mean, it's, it's not something that you can necessarily plan, isn't it? Because sometimes something becomes a life-changing performance just because you don't expect it. You go there and you see a band or you see something you didn't expect and then suddenly that changes your life. How many times people have gone to see a, to see a headliner band and then they listen to the support band and were so blown away that it changed their lives. And that's, that's it. That's the music I was looking for. Or that's the experience I was looking for. And then they become bigger fans of the support band in the end that is exactly it and at the same time i mean it depends because sometimes the live performance can be a thousand times better than on cd because of whatever is happening live and what they do and the audience and the sound and how you feel you know personally at that particular time like one uh for instance example i can give is uh was after i think the release of uh, mass 3 of amenha and it wasn't a like a hundred people kind of a venue and they were playing in front of maybe I don't know between 50 and 80 people I, I'm not counting that's not much for a band like Amunra yeah Amunra yes and it was from the for, for the release of Mass 3 which is one of my favorite one of my favorite album uh, ever and it's my favorite album of them and seeing that for the first time having this performance seeing Colin just spitting out everything and feeling it all to me it, w it was life-changing because I was just looking at that and I'm like I want to do this like, I want to be able to be as mesmerized as he is on stage 
and I want to be able to make people as mesmerized as I was back then because that was very rough emotion and polished diamonds. It was amazing. And that was, of course, one amongst other examples. But yeah, that, that I think is making everything better. And every time that I'm checking the album and listening to the album, I have these images of back then. And, um, and that is amazing that it's still there after what, 15 years or something. It, it enhances so the experience, isn't it? And I can perfectly see, by the way, uh, Amonra having that effect. I saw them live at Roadburn, and I think intense is the word I will associate with a live performance. A very intense, very, you can tell the minute, you know, it's not, um, you know, it's not a, a fake performance or for the money or whatever. It is the oh, yeah. moment, really, really um, intense. And um, a word you used a few times earlier, and I wanted to come back to that healing people through music, which I think is quite interesting that you say that. And the reason I say that is because. It's kind of the opposite for a lot of people in, in a lot of bands, rather, in the scene that you're operating. I mean, you do sometimes these sort of really extreme vocals that in our, uh, I guess, metal lingo we can call suicidal or, you know, this whole DSBM thing. And I think you are associated a little bit with that scene as well. But when I see bands like Shining and, and sort of related bands, it's almost the opposite. Thing. I mean, I, I see about encouraging people to self-harm. I mean, Forgotten Tomb, all these bands, almost encouraging people to to do something negative, and actually you're saying I'm here to heal. I think that's a very interesting contrast because it's kind of almost like the opposite and you're more or less in the same scene. What do you have to say about that? I appreciate these bands very much, first. Um, their music has been accompanying me for oh, so many years. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say that it it is an experience that self-harm is, again, very selfish. And it's a problem. It is a problem because if we do self-harm, anyone that would say that, yes, but I do that because I appreciate the pain. Yes, but it's also half part worship because we are all, we have something. There's a, there's a connection with pain. And that connection is pretty much just making your worries going away because the pain is focusing on something else. And this is why my both harms are completely tattooed. It is because I do not want to cut myself anymore because it would just be there because the control that I have on myself and my own pain is my own and it's selfish and maybe one day I might have gone too far because it's addictive. It's addictive as much as I could just take this bottle of water and spread it around through this whole studio and breaking everything. This We have so much power to destroy compared to the power to construct. And once you have this power in your hands, it's it's like a drug, all right? So performing this live, this kind of stuff live, it's also, it, it, it is to me right now giving the, the wrong perception about such music. Um, but I can understand and, and I still do respect um, extreme behaviors, especially when it could heal people because at some point, you know, when you just see someone just doing that, you're like, oh, that's not for me, fuck off. It, it can happen because now the world wants to be as edgy as possible, especially like, you know, on like Instagram and all of this thing, people love to be as edgy as possible because they think they're cool. And okay, why not? I've been the same, guilty, you know. And at the same time, I think it's just a question of uh, growing up 
you know? And when I look at Shining, yeah, they used to spread fucking razor blades in the audience, and he was cutting people, he was cutting himself, and all of these things. And he's not doing it anymore. I don't think maybe because he's growing up or something. I don't know. I do not know Nicholas at all. But I can't judge someone I don't know. I don't care. His persona has, has become his persona. From what I get, it's still happening. I don't know. What matters to me was the music. And I never wanted to go to a Shining gig. Because, because I don't want to be one person that watches. Like I, I hate morbid curiosity of wireism and to me that's pretty much what it is so i don't i don't want that and it's ve it's very personal because i am myself going through the deepest emotion when i create music and i don't i still do not want that and sometimes believe me there stuff back then that i thought that, oh sh make a video when you scream and maybe everyone will just be Seeing as edgy as you are, and I'm like, and now I'm like, I don't want, I don't want this anymore. My, my message through of my music is that if you can understand what I mean, whether it is my words, whether it is the concept, the message, or if you make it completely your own, the only message that I want to pass is that help yourself, heal yourself, take this music. Take this harsh emotion and these screams and all of that. That makes me staying alive, if you want. I'm still alive because I, I can express myself through these screams. And sometimes it can be fun. Like the cover album I've done in the last year. But this, making these music, like the harsh stuff that I do, is just me talking. And because I'm talking, I understand my pain. I know where it is and I'm not I'm not 15 anymore so I know the solutions sometimes they're very difficult to take but I know the solutions and I want to spread them as much as I can music can heal as much as any kind of art heals even if it is you know passive a listener can be healed by music and if someone listens to this album comes back to me and tells me, dude, I feel way better because of that album, I'm happy. And that's the goal of it. Even if there are some albums of mine that do not heal me at all, which is a shame in a way, but they do heal people as far as I'm told. And I'm, and I'm happy. I mean, how, how amazing that is. I mean, I am blessed to actually have such, such people coming back to me and telling me that, you changed my life because I listened to that album one time. I was not into metal music. It opened my mind to extreme music. I understood it. And now I'm way more open-minded in any kind of thing that I do, whether it is art, whether it is just wondering, talking to people, understanding them. Metal music and your music made me aware. And I, was, and I felt so like, happy and tiny at the same time and I'm like did I really did that did I really do something like that yeah and as much as uh, Shining's music changed me for instance or Silencer's music changed me the first time that I heard that my blood curled so much 
and I felt something which wasn't mine, but I felt something. And I'm like, I need this. Because I do remember at some point, some music would scare me. And such emotions were like a drug because I always want to get more scared and check it out and dive deeper and deeper until then at some point, the only hole that I'm just digging is just mine. And then I'm like, oh, now it's my turn to scream so I can go back up. And that's pretty much a sum up of, yeah, my music and whatever that I try to do. And through that, maybe people would also, you know, get up their own holes and stuff. What that music does, it? it inspires other people and some of them are inspired just by passively taking it in, others by actually thinking, I'm going to do something now, I want to, to go and start my own band or whatever, or, or other forms of art. Isn't it? I have sometimes people who send me a message, hey, I just made this skull inspired by your music. I mean, I mean you know, <laughs> I don't know why would some, someone would make a skull listening to my music, but I think it's absolutely amazing that it inspired them to to do something creative, really, whether it was music or something different, it doesn't really matter, does it? Art, in a general sense of way, is something that someone creates something, and then through that creation, any kind of message can go. Whether it is a sculpture, a picture, a movie, video, music, noise, even. So, anything can speak to someone, and so and the, the thing that we have, and I, and I speak to both of us here, as artists, once we create something, we need to be, I mean, I think that we, we need to be aware that it can be either hated or loved. And when it is beloved, it can actually change a person's behavior or something and making the person better, sometimes worse if it happens, can happen. But what you said, I mean, I have been influenced by, by Pantists for years, for instance, because in my country, it was one of the, and it's it's a cult name for me, and it's just that I don't have this. Um, how can I say? When I when I create music, it, it's so much anchored in my head that I know who my you know forefathers are in in my music and everything. And if I would just start, I mean, I would just give a tribute to so many bands. And at the same time, that, that's what music is about to me. Like, and I really speak about music here. It so much takes me to a world that I had no idea when I was younger. And now there are bands that I consider as so close to my music, so inspiring for everything that I've done. And some of them are friends like you like Shape of Despair, for instance, it's so amazing. There are no egos, it's just passion and, and, and you know, bonne camaraderie, you know, camaraderie, you know, like we are all just a bunch of people trying to do something. We all struggle. We are all um, trying to do our best and we give the best because that's what we do with music. We give the best. Of what we do that, 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 that is also amazazingly priceless you know yeah I, I fully agree for me 
part of playing this music. You mentioned it earlier, isn't it? And I'm gonna go to that later because I'm interested in that distinction of professional music and and sort of doing and also music that you do for for yourself. So where you make your money from, and what is just for your hobby. But really, for me, the main thing I'm getting out of playing in the underground scene is I'm meeting all these amazing people. I'm connecting with all these amazing people. We have so many things in common. We learn from each other and then we inspire each other. So. I totally can see the point that uh, that you are making there as well. Um, something else I thought also, um, I guess, to change a little bit the conversation topic, uh, they have, when you talk about the music that you are creating and the intense emotions and all that, but I know that you do it in all sorts of different shapes and forms and bands and projects. So I'm just wondering for you, making music, is that, is that a positive process? And the reason I'm asking you this might be a, a bit of a strange question. But I've read in the uh, Do Metal Lexicanum an interview with Albert Witchfinder, as you know, he's the singer of a band uh, called Reverend Bizarre. And, and he, I mean, he hated <laughs> the idea of, um, you know, he was, he's also a very prolific um, composer. He creates a lot of music, but he hated the process because he says it's almost like something compulsive in his head that makes him do things. And he absolutely didn't like the process, but he had no choice the way he put it, because had he not uh, gone out and recorded it, the music will drive him crazy, basically, in his head. Is it as bad like that, or is it actually a positive experience? It's a tough question, but I would I would say that the end product and the end feeling I get is positivity, but the way that the way that I'm doing it is completely negative in terms that music cripples my life. It is so much of a addiction obsession that uh, love relationships friendships uh, social life and it, it, it's gone to shit and I, I exist mostly online I have friends here and it is weird because for like a couple of months now I'm seeing friends and it's been weird because I'm not used to go so much out and then I'm like, I want to work. I want to do my music. And it is my selfish moment. So can you please not stay here? And that, that's also not a good thing. But there's no way for me to be out when something like that comes. And so I'm trying to, you know, take the best of everything. But I can't stay out of music for more than two days. I, I really tried, you know, more than that. It's just impossible. It, it's becoming itchy and the bad kind. Because even if I just go back here and nothing comes out, it's just the fact that I need still to be able to compose, take my instruments, play something. Even if it's pure shit, I need that. So I so much understand what he says when the process can be really negative and, 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 and tiring. And, and exhausting actually because yes it, it really can be and it can for instance let's take the, the Panda Christmas album so that was the only album that I wanted to do without a selfish goal that was something I wanted to give to people it was super fun to do but that's the thing it was supposed to be just a four or five song EP and it became a 30 song album two hours of music done in one month it was way too much and I gave myself way too much until the point when the, the release was coming which is no release it's just the fucking YouTube link but 
when that came, I was stressed for three days so much. Why? I'm, I'm supposed not to care about people's opinion, but it made me so much stressed. And until at some point when, when it was done, I felt empty. And this emptiness is horrid because I'm like, what am I going to do now? And, and that is, that is horrible. You know, it's, um, it's like, you know, like when you, you were giving birth with the, this pain, which is there that I will never know. Women know. I mean, I think this is, and of course, a weird, maybe not so good analogy. That's pretty much how it feels. Every time that you do, you finish an album or something, you've given yourself so much, especially if you have a deadline. Once it's gone, it's gone. That's why, and I, I do believe that's why I have so many different albums. I can't picture myself with everything is done, I need to compose something new. For, for me, it's like there's always something on the stove, you know, always, and I don't even want to count how many, but it's there. But if I would just be like that, there's nothing else that is still on the stove, I would feel so bad. One, one of my very, very, very best friends and person that I know right now, that she's also a, 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 a one person band and all of this. And she was telling me all about it. Once she's finished with that, although there's nothing else and she feels completely empty. And it's, if I just think about it, it's suffocating so much. So, so much. So yes, I really understand what Albert is saying. And by the way, Reverend Bizarre, best do metal band in the whole fucking world. So Long Suckers was the best way to finish a goddamn band. It was amazing. It's an amazing length as well. Two and a half hours, isn't it? I remember once I, I did a two and a half hours trip to go. I was actually recording a, a demo for Pantheist and I went to Stereos in London from Isla, which normally would have been an hour or so, but with the traffic in London, of course, it took two hours and a half. And I literally started with a plane playing the car and the last note rang as I was parking my car in front of Stereos' um, um, you know, house. So I do remember that album forever because of this trip. It literally lasted, it filled my whole trip, which is amazing. Uh, a question I want to come back uh, to earlier, what you said earlier about sort of this distinction between, okay, you make music for fun and for your well, fun for you, really, for your expression, really, for catharsis and for your, uh, for your personal emotions. And you don't particularly expect, you know, from it'd be nice to get some money out of it, but that's not, it's clearly not the idea. You are making professional music, from what I understand, as you're producing music, and that's what earns you a living. Is that correct? Absolutely. I am. It's, it's very, I mean... I've been doing this just for one month now. I mean, I've been doing that, you know, at myself, but it wasn't super professional. I mean, it was professionally done, but the place and everything wasn't the same. Now, I mean, there's this... I've entered sort of Blackout Studio uh, in Brussels team, and uh, it's it's just amazing. I've got the place, I've got the gear, I've got my own, my own room where I, I actually produce. There's the recording room right there when you can make noise until whenever. No, no one cares, no one hears. And it's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing because now there's the means for me to do even more and even better because, you know, at some point it's just like there's a band wanting to come. Like, I can do everything by the eyes. 
and I can't do drums. And of course, it can be you know, a bit of a step back from a lot of bands who would rather come with their own amps and all of that and just put there and record there. Now I can. Like, now I, I don't need to go someplace else to do drums, where, which is fun because I was always coming here. But now it's my place and I record whatever, when I want, how I want, and it's liberating completely. I can imagine. And I mean, how does it feel? I always wonder sort of the difference between, you know, you're doing music for yourself or doing music for others and for, for a living, I guess, because you need to live as a person. I mean, is that less fun or does it not really matter? You can have as much fun by doing it professionally. I'm just asking because there seems to be a general idea in the underground scene, mostly that, well, from the moment money gets involved, it's not fun anymore. You know, it's, uh, you know, you sell yourself out, etc. It's not always like that, though, is it? One of the best thing is that when you, when you go like to a, to a specific sound engineer or producer, it's because you want that person because of something that the person does better. So for instance, I know a ton of amazing sound engineers that can do, you know, this very modern, super punchy sound that sounds like amazing. And I know some others, they can do more analog stuff, so they have a more vintagey kind of sound. I'm interested in bringing people's emotion out, but that means everything. It means in the sound, but as well in the performance. So if someone comes and does a take where everything is not perfect, but I consider that it's good or good enough, I'm like, okay, let's keep it. Even if there's mistakes, you know, I would always go with the emotions. So I would say that this is my originality, but at the same time, I don't want just to do that. So having this very expensive gear and making tape rough like metal, that's the best thing ever. Because I'm able to do whatever. If I decide just to have this magnificent room, having the drum set and just remove all the mics and just keeping one room mic, just for the sake that I want to do a mono tape black metal thing, I would do it. And I think that this is what differentiates me from other people. Gear, fantastic, super good. You can do whatever you want with it. I can do modern sound, but I would make you sound as dirty as possible like you were back in the 90s. And that's what I want to. I want to be able to create and destroy. And that's the thing. I don't want to just create. I want to be able to destroy. I want to go there. I want to destroy a drum kit just for the sake of the noise it makes. And then at some point experimenting with the noise it makes and trying to see what I can do. I want to put, I don't know, like horrible effects on the master just to see what happens. I want to experiment. And that's, that's the thing that I want to do as, a, as it's amazing. When, when any band comes to me and like, I want you to do this, firstly, I'm happy, but it's all about I want them to be happy. Even if they come to me and they expect me, you know, at, at some point to have a, a decision-making kind of sense, I would use that at the very end. I'm more like, you need to be happy. Because if you're not happy, then I'm not happy. Tell me what you want and I will work more. And th this is how it works to me. I don't want to be one of these guys that comes and put a fucking template and then it's done. I want to be able to make them happy from scratch. I have no fucking templates. I start always from zero because that's the way you do it. What do you want? What's your style? 
What are your references? Do you like what I do? If yes, choose. Let's try to start what we can do. This is the gear that I have. This is the sound that you can have. But even if I'm showing them references, it's always going to be, that is not your sound. We are going to create it. And that is, to me, so interesting. It's challenging. It's frightening as hell. But at the same time, that's, that's the best thing, you know. I've never understood, for instance, you know, someone that stops a job and says, I need other challenges. Now I do understand. Because it's so amazing just to, I can do that. I can try to do something that I've never done before. And this, this, this is, this is something that I, that I want to do like until I'm dead. It's so amazing to be able to have someone that comes here, the guy does metal, and for fun, I'm noticing that he's doing some hip-hop, and I'm like, oh, I like that. Come with me. We go behind, and like, I have this hip-hop instrumental. Do you think like you can kick it? And the guy is like, I was just doing that for fun. I'm like, yes, I recognize talent. Can you please do some hip-hop on that? Please. And then something else can, can be, you know, created out of a meeting that I don't even know the person. Or the person is there singing their own album and I'm like, okay, how about you try this vocal technique? Oh, I don't know how to do it. Let me show you. And then maybe if you like it, we could use it on this song because I think that this is something that I want to do. Vocal coaching is amazing, but as well as how about you try this harmony and this thing? How about I do try to create a 48 voices choir that you might even say, I don't like it. It's fine. It's my job to try to enhance the music. And that, my man, I mean, the endless possibilities, endless. Well, it's great for me to see your passion talking about that because that answers my question, isn't it? I, I wanted to know whether it's as fun for you to, to do it professionally. Clearly it is as fun because you still seek for the same sort of purpose and satisfaction. Okay, we are starting from scratch here and we're gonna get to some. The only difference is I'm doing it for someone else. So I want to make sure that they are happy, but the process is the same then, isn't it really, um, you know, of, of creating that music, that sound for the music that, uh, that someone It's else amazing to okay. craft some stuff for people and have them just to be happy in the end and say, thank you, that sounds how we want it, and bam, I'm happy. I mean, we could be talking for hours for the purpose of this, uh, of this podcast, I'll probably need to, to keep the, the conversation a bit shorter, so we'll... I'm sure at some point in the future we'll catch up again about all the other things that we could be discussing. Um, I guess one thing I want to um, to end up with is by asking where people can find you online. And, and of course, you know, you're a bit like a musical uh, centipede, so we say, in the sense that you have a lot of different um, projects and both those people who know you know this. Um, but I guess for people who don't know you, what is the easiest way for someone to get into the music of Deha? Where should they go and listen first? perhaps any particular projects or songs, particular sounds, anything, where, 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 where would they start? I would say that it's, it's way better for them to just dive in it. And uh, I, I think the deha.bandcamp.com is the perfect way to start. It, the Deha project, so it has the same name. It is kind of a popery of everything that I could do. So you can find piano solo albums, you can find ambient, you can have noise stuff, you can have hip-hop, uh, pop, anything, mixing of styles. And I think that 
even if it sounds a bit more avant-garde-ish, you know, all of these different styles, that's what I want to create. I want to be able to make people know that music is all about being open-minded. So, the more adventurous people, please go there. If you're looking for the, the, the kind of the typical things that I would be doing and why, you know, people kind of know me, I would say Imberluminous is the, is the first thing to look at. Kind of a mixture between atmospheric black metal and some kind of depressing doomy thingy. And um, that is pretty much, you know, the, the thing that people could know me for at some point. Um, despite the fact that I've always been super close to black metal, uh, but I don't speak so much about black metal for obvious reasons. And um, then, for example, Merda Mundi is the, the black metal band that I have, but it is very not known because it is a low-key band, needs to stay low-key. Yeah, it is. Uh, that, 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 that is like, what, like 16, 17 years ago, and I still stand by it. It's a, it's a fantastic name. And um, at, at the same time, uh, there's a Deha page on, on Facebook, which is just uh, facebook.com uh, D-E-H-A music, all attached. It's pretty much also everything that I do with the Deha project, which is there. But I also try to be a bit more as I am, you know, like, I, I don't sugarcoat things and try to make myself as a, you know, a product or something. I, I don't want that. So I'm a very available person i don't understand actually when people think that i'm not taking care of my own channels and social networks and stuff for instance uh but yeah it's um it's always fun to, to just speak with people and i always love even though it sounds a bit weird i love when someone comes and like i just discovered your music it seems to be so much where can i start because then I know how to ask the questions. What is your music style? What do you like? What is your mood right now? Do you want something that is going to cheer you up? Do you want something which is depressing? I can give you all of that. And that's that's the thing. So I think those links are the best. So the deha.bandcamp.com and uh, facebook.com. Uh, deha Music. I think those are the best way to start. Right. But basically, I mean, you listening to what you're saying, the best thing for, for some is to, with no criteria, to really, basically, since you are an approachable person, to go directly to you and say, hey, Dehan, tell me, well, this is what I'm listening to, you know, what would you recommend? Brilliant, fantastic. Well, listen, it has been an absolute pleasure, Dehan. Thank you very much for your time. Well, the pleasure is really, really all mine. Thank you very much. I mean, it's, it's, it's not every day that you get interviewed by a my my own personal doom godfather. I mean, listening to that, I mean, what can I say? Such a honor coming from you. <laughs> Thank you so much. You are listening to the How Did They Do It podcast. Do not forget to subscribe by following us on Apple, Spotify, or Anchor for weekly conversations with inspirational individuals who found their own freedom by doing the thing they love doing most. And you can also follow me on costasthecoach.com for weekly blog articles that will inspire you to find your passion and purpose in life.